thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. Yep. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my head. To the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. We're so blessed to have you join us today for Jesus the Healer. Thank you for joining us. Come on in. We're having a good time. We're going to keep having a good time. We have been taking the last several episodes and we've been teaching on something called victory over grief and sorrow. And uh, I want you to know the good part is the word is victory. Yes. Amen. It is victory. It's not about grief and sorrow. It's about our victory in the face of grief and sorrow. And so we, we promise you this, it will not be a negative, if I could say this, uh, dark subject or approach to it, but it's about our victory. Amen. Um, I, throughout these episodes, I will often refer to, of course, I refer to so many different aspects of my life, up, my upbringing, times in ministry, um, because when you hear stories, you hear answers. Yes. And uh, so also on this broadcast, I will talk about the different events that happened that includes even my husband's unexpected homegoing. How did our family handle that? How did it affect our church? How did it affect the ministry? How did it affect the plan of God and moving forward in the plan of God? And so when we talk about that, we help people to know what the Word says is right thinking at those times. Because the Word, uh, as we renew our minds with the Word of God, it shows us the right way to think in every situation and circumstance in life because we're all going to have different circumstances and situations show up. What, how do we think in a time of emergency? What does right thinking look like? Because so much of the time, the culture of our home taught us something, right? The culture of those that have been part of our, our, our circle of influence. We see how they respond, but we have to always take our cues from the Word. And we say, uh, what does the Word say? And we don't just adopt what we've seen in others if it's not in line with the Word. Amen. So we go back to the Word and we find out what does victory look like in the face of the emergencies of life? Because victory is still ours no matter what shows up. Amen. So um, when I talk about victory over grief and sorrow, I'm not just talking about the homegoing of a loved one. Because grief and sorrow will try to enter at other points of our life. If a home is lost, a business is lost, a relationship is lost, or something just didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. And the devil will try to take advantage of those crossroad moments of our life and try to, if I could say, insert wrong thinking, insert a response that will 
injure our faith rather than protect our faith. And so that's why we talk about grief and sorrow and our victory over it because I don't want you to think that that only tries to enter at the time of a home going of a loved one. So we want to know what does skill look like? Well, knowing this, first of all, what does the word say? And then not only knowing what the word says, believing it. (laughs) It's one thing to know what the word says. It's another thing to believe it. And if we're believing it, we're acting on it. Amen. That means we're putting in place what the truth of the word shows us. We're making it part of our life. When the emergency comes up, we don't take our faith and lay it down and then flip to our flesh or flip to our emotions. We stay with the word. It was on Friday, October the 18th in 2013 that my children came to the house and they said, mom, dad's plane went down and there were no survivors. Uh, At that moment, I did not take what I knew of the word and just let my feelings and emotions run off with my life. Uh, What's in us, our spirit, is to take the reins of that situation. Amen. And we halt the movement of that against our lives. We, you know, if you let your flesh take the reins, <laughs> if you let your feelings, your emotions take the reins, brother, the flesh likes drama. <laughs> the flesh likes to see how far can we go on this ride? And, um, If the ride is from God, then we want to ride it. But if it's not, we want to take the reins of that event and say, stop right here. You don't, you're not moving into the rest of my life, into every arena of my life. And our spirit needs to be fortified and fed. And we need to have the knowledge of the word. And then we, we turn to that knowledge of the word. It, it matters what we remember when an emergency shows up. It matters that on purpose, we have to remember the word. We don't just wait for things to fly up into our thought life. We stop a moment and we say, what does the word say about this? What does the word say about this? Why? Because on purpose, we're remembering the right thing. We're not laying the right thing down so that we can have a moment of drama and a moment of effect and a moment of of attention from others. The attention that wrong thinking will give us is not the kind of attention that we want. We want right thinking. That gives us God's attention. Amen. Um, As I've said in the previous episode, um, the Holy Ghost will keep us in front of situations. Even if things are out of our authority and out of our control, He will still keep us in front of them. He'll let us know, maybe not specifically, But in a general way, he will equip and stock the shelves of our heart so that we already have, if I could say this, a bit of a heads up. Even if we don't have the details or the specifics. Two years before my husband went home to be with the Lord, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, all I want you doing is practicing peace. Well, see, that's not a specific, he didn't give a specific reason why. He just said, do this. So I did that without asking because... um, Many times it it works in our favor to not know all the mystery. Sometimes we need to leave things in the realm of mystery until we need the revelation, until we need the light. Or just allow him to give us the portion of light that is our part. Some things are just God's part and we will just leave those things with God. 
Uh, but some things are our part and he'll give us light on it. Well, what was my part? My part was to become skillful with the flow of peace and to stay with it. So he told me my part. But I'm just so impressed by the genius of the Holy Ghost because he, he equipped me without alarming me. And that's brilliance yes, on his sure part. <laughs> you know, some people just love pull. There, if I could say, I always say it, they're trigger pullers. They love to see the big bang, the big effect of something. The Holy Ghost isn't like that. He's not trying to pull the trigger on situations. He's trying to uh, equip you and prepare you and arm you, but not not so you can have a big explosion, but so you can t- take control of anything that tries to explode. And uh, that's what he was doing. He was putting me in the flow of peace because that would stop a flow of the, of the, the wrong flow yes. of grief and yes. sorrow. Yes. So the way he disarms the wrong flow is he arms the right flow. Um, he helps you to know, get in this flow, stay in it. Why? Because there's going to come other flows offered you. And so I, I just so appreciate the genius of the Holy Ghost. I cannot, I cannot overstate what that means to our lives as Christians. To be skillful at listening to him. And when he says something, he means it. Yes. You know, he didn't say with a sense of urgency. He didn't say with a sense of, of emergency. Yes. Practice peace. Yes. There was none of that. Yes. It was just practice peace. Right. And um, just because we don't sense an urgency or a tone of urgency in his dealings with us doesn't mean that he's treating this as optional. It's still something he's commanding of us. So I did that. And you say, well, what does practicing peace look like? If he told you to practice peace, it means any thought that didn't arrive me at peace or build my peace, add to my peace, I rejected it. I cast it down. Yeah. If it troubled me, if it, if it drew me to the mental arena away from my spirit, mm. I cast it down. Yeah. Yes. If it drew me away from my faith and into a thought of questions, I cast it down. Yeah. So I practiced that. What happened, I ended up in a flow that I go, I'm not willing to leave this flow ever again for the rest of my life. So when I got into, and really it's a further flow of the spirit. Yeah. It really is a further flow of the Spirit because the peace that He has made ours, it's already in us. It's not Him waiting for us to, it's not us waiting for Him to give us peace. But it's us realizing He's already put the peace in us. Now it's our opportunity to turn toward it. Develop, water that fruit. Develop our skill in yielding to that fruit. Partake of that fruit. And so that's the way He prepared me. Um, There were other things that were said along the way, even starting five years before the event, that when I looked back, I go, ah, that's an answer. But it didn't fall in place of why he said that even five years before until the event happened. So there again, he gives us answers without alarming us, troubling us. Amen. He's not, he's not any, he's not a partner to any troubling. No. If there's any troubling in the thought life, the Holy Ghost is not involving himself in that. Because anytime he alerts us, warns us, prepares us, there's no sense of troubling with it. There's only peace. Amen. Now, I want you to look at with us at Thessalonians chapter 4. 
Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll read verse 13. It reads, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. So what's he talking about? Those who have gone to heaven. I so appreciate what we call death. Heaven calls sleep. Why? Because when someone dies in heaven's eyes, they sleep to this world, but they awake in heaven. It's just that easy of a transition. Um, If I could say it this way, you know, when you lay down to go to sleep at night, sometimes you can lay there for a while and think about certain things or pray or do whatever, read a book. And sometimes you fall asleep and never knew it. Isn't that right? That's the way God intends that we sleep to this earth and we never even recognize a death process. Does it always happen that way? No. No but it's God's definition of how it can happen that way. And here the Bible just calls it, the word just says, uh, those who have fallen asleep, those who are asleep. Then sometimes, you know, remember when you're growing up and um, you were excited about something tomorrow that was going to happen when you were young and you just had a hard time falling asleep because something fun is going to happen tomorrow. And your parents would tell you, the quicker you go to sleep, the quicker you arrive at the fun time tomorrow. Because if you stayed awake sleeping, I mean, stayed awake instead of falling asleep, you're just thinking about it, thinking about it. It delays, it seems, because the, the clock moves slow when you're awake. But when you're asleep, how quick the clock, the, quick that clock changed, right? Well, it's the same thing that when we fall asleep in Christ, there are people that fall asleep in Christ, they just wake up in heaven. They go, wow, when did this transition happen? Amen. And so I so appreciate the, the softness, the peacefulness of the wording that the word gives us uh, concerning them which are asleep, <laughs> that you sorrow not. So when they sleep, that's not your cue to sorrow. So when they fall asleep, you sorrow not. Look, even as others which have no hope. So we can see this. There is a sorrow that you may, that you may feel, but it's not as those who have no hope. Yes. Mm-hmm. We sorrow as those who have hope. Yes. What does that sorrowing look like? There may be a, a moment, a, t- a brief time that you will weep, but you don't get under a spirit of grief. You don't get entrenched in a flow of sorrow that carries your life to a dark place, that carries you to a place of depression and oppression. That's what happens in the world with those who have no hope. But that's not us. We have hope. Amen. The hope of heaven. And we know we see him again. Amen. Even so, what about this? You say, Pastor Nancy, my situation isn't the home going to loved one. My situation is I lost lost a business. Mm -hmm. I lost a home. Mm -hmm. You know what? We have hope. That's that's not the last business. That's That's not the last house. God knows how to restore. God knows how to restore everything. So no matter what seems like it's lost, we have hope meaning this, the next will be better. The next will even be better. Amen. When we are walking in the light of the word, we don't look at events the way the world does. When our minds are renewed, we don't treat these events in the emergencies of life like the world treats them. It's different for us. I said it's different for us. What is the difference? They get under a flow of grief and sorrow. 
We don't. Amen. Amen. Why? Jesus paid the price to deal with that. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Isaiah 53 verse 4. He bore our griefs. Jesus bore our griefs. We could say this, the Godhead. Jesus, a member of the Godhead. It took the Godhead to deal with grief and sorrow because you can't. Only, Only heaven could deal with that. And heaven did deal with it. Why? So that we don't have to live under the cloud of it. Amen. Amen. And many think that grieving and being sorrowful is a flow of expressing your love for someone. And uh, that's what we've seen demonstrated, right, in the world. That's what we hear talked about, that you better weep for me. Well, okay, you weep. I'll weep for you, but we ain't going to weep for years. (laughs) We're not going to weep ourselves into depression. Amen. And you don't want someone, you don't ever want your own home going to affect someone so negatively that all they end up doing is focusing on your ending and miss what your whole life was about. If we focus on the end of something, because sometimes it's not easy to watch certain endings in people's lives, depending on what is going on. But I know this, we're graced for what we have to deal with. We're always graced for what we have to deal with. And sometimes things end differently than what the word prescribes. Uh, And sometimes things end differently for people than what we knew belonged to them. But even so, we don't focus on the end of somebody um, if it's a troubling end in the sense of troubling the soul, troubling the mind. Because if we just focus on one facet of their life, we miss all the blessing that their life brought. Don't focus on the last. Take in the whole. Focus on the pleasure, the joy, what all the, all the wonderful things that were brought to your life through them. Amen. Enjoy the whole. Amen. And so uh, many think, though, that if I don't show grief and sorrow, I'm not demonstrating love. Um, there again, we have to think right according to the word, meaning this. If grief and sorrow was a demonstration of love, why did Jesus come redeem us from it? Why? I love God. I love Savior. The way he loves us and the way he brings us into his flow is he brings us into his way of thinking. And um, so, yes, we can acknowledge we miss that person. They mean so much to us, but not in a, not getting entrenched in a sorrowful way. Amen. Amen. I don't mean to imply that there won't be times that you might weep for some, that someone's not there. I'm not saying that it's wrong to weep. I'm saying we're redeemed from the curse of grief and sorrow. It's part of the curse because Jesus redeemed us from it. Amen. Um, yielding to a spirit of grief and sorrow will try to dominate and consume your life, your attention. That's the way the devil operates. He, he doesn't just want to have an inch. He wants to move in through a small place to dominate the whole and to affect the whole. And that's what getting under a flow, the wrong flow of grief and sorrow will do for you. Always protect your peace. Always protect your joy. Refuse to yield 
to grief. Refuse to yield to sorrow. There again, I'm not saying you can't weep. I'm saying don't get in the wrong flow. Amen. Amen. When we know what the Word says, we are not obligated to respond like those who don't know what the Word says. And they might might not understand your response, Mm -hmm. but that's not my problem. Right? That's not your problem. I mean, remember when uh, Jesus told his disciples, let's get in the boat and go to the other side? Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a storm comes up. Jesus is asleep. And... uh, those fishermen, I mean, some of those disciples were fishermen. They lived their lives on the water. They knew how to handle storms. They knew what to do in weather. And so these were skilled fishermen. They knew what to do when the boat started filling up with water and everything they knew wasn't enough. It wasn't working. The boat was beginning to go under. It was filling up with water and they couldn't keep it out fast enough. So what Jesus is doing, he's asleep. Peter wakes him up, not like, hey, can we hand you a bucket? <laughs> no, he woke him up with offense. Carest thou not? Those are, he's, he's, he's not pleased. <laughs> Carest thou not that we perish? <laughs> so he didn't go up and softly wake him up. Jesus, just want you to know, things are getting a little wet in here. Would you like to have something to say about this? He didn't, he didn't do it. He woke him up abruptly and he woke him up with words that showed his thinking. Carest thou not, meaning if you aren't acting like us, you don't care. Why did Jesus not act like them? He knew more than them. He was more skillful than them. That's why he didn't act like them. When he woke up, he still didn't fly into a panic and grab a bucket and say, brother, use your feet too. No, he, uh, he, didn't, he didn't respond like them. Even when he woke up and saw the setting, he still wasn't troubled. Why? He knew something. He was skillful with something. So when we don't act like someone else, someone else may think that it's because we don't care, but it's because we know. And we're not arrogant with what we know. We're not belittling to others in what we know. But I just can't go into a drama spin when I know uh, the word that that is the foundation of my life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Protect your peace and joy. You're not obligated to lay it down so that someone else can think that you care. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't make light of situations of emergency. I'm not belittling those times. Listen, I've faced those times. I know what they're like. I'm not making light of it. I'm not belittling it, but I'm just saying God offers us a flow that's victorious over it. And that's what we are learning to draw on and become skillful in. Amen. And I know this, that the, I know this firsthand. This isn't hearsay. This is firsthand uh, that the force of peace is far greater than any death. It is far greater. Why? Peace is not simply a feeling. It is a force. And it is a protective barrier against the entering of grief and sorrow. Amen. And it makes you masterful in the face of death. It makes you masterful in the face of destruction. It makes you masterful in the face of opposing circumstances. You stand up on the inside and you say, I know how this is going to come out. Amen. It's a force that puts you over. Amen. It puts you on top when you're faced with tragedy 
and crisis and difficulty. We do not sink to a lower position. We have been raised and seated with Christ and we're not coming down for this event. Amen. Amen. Do not let the home going of a loved one. Don't let any loss of a home, a business, a relationship. Don't let any circumstance cause you to lay your faith aside. Because many do that. They've heard their pastor preach. They've sat under wonderful teaching of the word. They've read their Bible. They've fed on books and teaching materials. And then when crisis hits, if we could say, if this, this book represented all their faith and all their knowledge, some just lay it down and pick up their flesh. Pick up their emotions. Why? Because that's the natural thing to do. Don't go to the natural. Go to the supernatural. Go to the faith. Go to the word that has been sown in your heart. So I encourage you, don't just flip to the natural. And, and I would say this, it's just natural to go to the natural. That's why I say you have to remember at certain times the right thing so that you pick up the right thing. Pick up your faith. Listen, when the emergencies of life showed up, that's when faith is most needed. Don't lay it down at a time you need it the most. And not only that, it's the time that faith in God can demonstrate to others. Um, It's all conquering victory in the face of circumstance. Amen. What, What does John tell us? He said, this is the victory that overcometh the world. What? Even our faith, not our worry, not our circumstances, not confusion, not questions. These things don't overcome. These things have to be overcome. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So make sure that you got your faith ready. Pick up your faith. Use it. Throw all your faith at that situation. Amen. Amen. When we pick up our faith. You know what we just did? We opened the door to the power of God. It's not our faith that does the work. Mm -hmm. It's our faith that opens the door for God's power to come in and do the work. If we leave faith, we close the door. If If we pick up our faith and hold our faith in place, now you've kept the door open so that the power flow is never interrupted. God does the work. Your faith doesn't do the work. God does the work. Your faith does the work of opening the door to God for His power to move, His power to work. Amen. Don't cast aside your faith. Get yourself in your faith. Amen. Amen. That's what the Word says. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. You've got faith. Get in it. Just just because you got a car doesn't mean you're in it. Just because you got faith doesn't mean you're in it. Get in your faith. Amen. Well, we've been teaching out of my book called Victory Over Grief and Sorrow. We invite you to get your copy of it. Go to our website at defrainministries.org and you can order your copy there and we'll get it right out to you. But until next time, remember this. Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org. In the book, Victory Over Grief and Sorrow, Nancy Dufresne shares from firsthand experience how even death is no match for the mighty force of peace that is available to every believer. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. 
The timeless truths in this book, Answer It, reveal how to answer every opposition and the steps to take to exit times of testing. Order this book now at DufresneMinistries.org. If you need prayer, please call our prayer line. We have trained ministers on staff who are ready to agree with you for your miracle. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.